My name is Scott Chaloner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our program will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And today, that mission takes us to Burnley, Lancashire, where we're joined on the program by Lisa Sauerbutz, Managing Director of Employment Law Specialist, Cube HR. Um, Lisa, a very warm welcome to you this morning, and thank you so much for joining us on the program. No worries at all. Thanks for asking me to uh, to join you, Scott. It's an immense pleasure, Lisa, and of course, thank you for your time on doing this. Um, now, CubeHR, your business, um, obviously you work in human resources and you've been active in the industry for over 17 years, but during that mm-hmm. time, you've not been running your own business, have you? You've sort of worked for sort of large corporates in HR departments and making your own business was actually a real leap of faith for you. So I'd be interested to understand initially what the motivations are for kind of taking that leap of faith and when you realised that, you know, going to, into business for yourself was going to be the way for you. Sure. Um, it was, I, I have a business really by accident, Scott, as, as a lot of, uh, of, of people do. Um, yeah, my story is, yeah, worked in HR for 17 years, wouldn't know how to do anything else if I tried. And I, I love it. I love what I do. I've always really, really enjoyed my job. And when I worked in my last, empl- when I was a last an employee, um, I loved my job there. I worked in a um, very male-dominated industry, and we were uh, just about to get a new female MD. So I was quite excited. Um, unfortunately, her people values didn't align with mine mm. and she was all about profit and I completely appreciate that it's a large corporate they've got shareholders to answer to um however as a HR professional I just couldn't get on board with with some of the stuff that she wanted to do and some of the agendas that she wanted to push through so I made a decision that I didn't want to be in that environment anymore and I quit no job to go to um but I was on three months notice, so I thought that's loads of time to go and find something else. I used to get amazing feedback where I worked. So I thought, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do. I, I should be able to find a job reasonably easy. Uh, I did. I got headhunted once uh, Once it was, you know, word got out that I was on the market. Mm. I got quite a few different offers. But the other people kept saying to me, God, you're so good at what you do. You should set up on your own. You know, there's, there's a market out there for small businesses that need really good HR advice and not mm. these call centre type employment law specialists that, that are out there providing the service. So I thought, you know what? Why don't I give it a go? Um, my husband and I sat down and did some numbers and he was like, right, you can afford to have a go at it for a year. Uh, and if after a year you're not making any money, then you need to go and get a proper job again. So, so that's what I did. And, and here I am four and a half years later. Um, and the six of us, so uh, we've done okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you managed to grow the business in what's ended up being sort of quite trying times. I mean, I suppose the first two years would have been sort of quite stable, but um, as soon as it, we got to 2020, of course, uh, there was the advent of the COVID pandemic and all of the various yeah. issues that came with that. Um, so yeah. what was it like for you sort of facing that kind of major challenge, that kind of crisis moment, if you like, and guiding the business through that? What sort of challenges came up and how did you get around them right so oh my gosh loads of challenges but at the time we went into the pandemic there were only two of us and the phone rang off the hook 
and couple that with the fact that I started doing an MBA in the September before. So I was doing an MBA, mm. running a business with only two of us in it, homeschooling a seven-year-old at the time as well, because um, my husband was also extremely busy. So between us, we were trying to have to, to juggle that as well. And to top it off, I was watching the news one day and I was watching these frontline workers and I thought, oh my gosh, look at the sacrifices that these people are making. What can we do as a business? I just felt really compelled to help. Hmm. So we decided to offer our advice free to companies that needed it. So you can imagine how many people took us up on that offer. So then we weren't making any money either. So it was a huge, huge challenge, but I kept getting up, working a million hours, doing everything that I could, just doing my best. And Claire, who worked with me as well, both of us together, we just did our best. And so that money, that that year, sorry, we uh, we didn't we didn't grow. Well, we had very very slight growth. Um, but as a result of that, and as a result of that graft, and as a result of doing something that nobody else in our industry did, you know, we sat back and watched our competitors doing buy now pay later special mm. coronavirus deals, and we did it all for free. As a result. We grew massively in 2021 because I think people saw us in a different light, and so actually these guys really care. Um, so we, yeah, we, and then we went on to one. We, you know, last year we won so many different awards. It's just been the best thing that that we've ever done, and you know, we projected to kind of grow by one person a year. Uh, we took two on last year. We've literally just took two more on this year, and we'll probably have to take more on by the end of this year. And all that is a result of just caring and looking after our fellow business community. Mm, yeah, it's building that rapport, isn't it? And uh, obviously, yeah. it pays dividends in the uh, the long term, of course. Absolutely yeah. right. And obviously, a huge and invaluable sort of lesson to take from the uh, the pandemic. And uh, you know, as you were so kind of like endeavouring to sort of help people um, for uh, free on that basis. Um, how was it um, for you, kind of like maintaining sort of productivity levels during that time? Did you find that quite a difficult effort? Um, do you know what? I worked better under pressure. So I was actually mm. telling one of uh, one of my new team members this story yesterday because she was she was asked, asked me the same question like how was it? So I'll, I'll use the MBA as, as a bit of an example. So as I was as I started the MBA, I was probably getting marks in like the sixties, the high mid to high sixties. When the pandemic hit, and I was working a gazillion hours, and we were fielding seventy calls each a day, and and you know homeschooling and, and doing everything like that, my marks went up into the eighties. And I think that just shows, one, my level of resilience, and two, I just get on with it. I, I'm just very good at getting my head down. And when it has to be done, I, I do it, and I, I thrive off that. So there wasn't, there wasn't any point in time where I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. It, it's too hard. I knew so many people were reliant on me. Um, and Claire, you know, we were a team. We're an amazing team. And you, you, just, you just carry on. And I actually become more productive the busier I am the more productive I am and the better my work quality and output get as well. Mm. I suppose you've probably learned an awful lot about yourself, haven't you? You know, just how resilient you can be, just obviously how when you kind of like you get into that zone, you can be sort of so productive, you can have that incredible output. And I can imagine you also feel as well that, you know, managing through a crisis situation so effectively like that, it's it's almost kind of shaped you as um, a business leader, hasn't it? And sort of um, made you the person that you are today in a sense. Yeah, I, I think I'm also really lucky given the industry that I work in. I mean, you know, I've dedicated my professional career to helping people feel good at, in, in, in the workplace. Yeah, we're amazing and we're employment law experts, but 
we also do that softer side well I call it a necessary side rather than softer and I know what makes people tick. I know how to communicate effectively with people. That's what we help our, our clients do. And that's how that same relationship with our clients. So that continuous communication, how are you feeling? What are you doing? How can I help make things better for you? Talk to me, give me the feedback. And not just as a one-off, but to keep that going constantly. If you're, if you're doing that on a regular basis, it becomes, easy is the wrong word, but it's, it, it, becomes normal, comfortable. You're not having to deal with crisis at every point because you're having those regular conversations. So I, I'm i the same person in my personal life as my professional life, if that makes sense. Yes. I, I have the same values, the same ethos. So it's just a natural, just been a natural growth path for me. Exactly right. And I suppose it's fitting, isn't it, that um, one of your sort of great inspirations is the New Zealand Premier Jacinda Ardern, who also during COVID, you know, received a hell of a lot of credit for sort of how she addressed uh, the pandemic Mm -hmm. in uh, her country. Um, So do you think that some of what she does kind of almost implicitly rubs off on you as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, she's just the leader of the people, you know. Um, I think every time I see things about her in the media and to be fair sometimes say what the media says with a pinch of salt but if I if I look at other world leaders including our own you know uh, the the differences are just astronomical when you know when New Zealand has suffered terrible um, terrorist attacks and, and, and things like that you know she's on the front page of the paper with the people impacted immerse herself in their culture and she just gets it. She just gets people and she gets on, on their level and tries to understand them and, and learn and tries to develop herself. And she's not, you know, she, I, I think she's quite, she comes across as a very authentic leader. Uh, and that's something that I always try to be with my team. I mean, I ask them enough for the, for the feedback as well. Um, mm. You know, I don't have an ego, so I'm very happy to say to my team, you know, how can I be a better a better leader, a better team member. How can I make this a better place to work? We do the same with our clients. How can we, how can we be a better supplier for you? What else do you need from us? So, yeah, I think it's just it's always about getting that feedback and putting yourself in their place as well. You know, treat treat people how you want to be treated. It's it's that simple for me. Yeah, certainly. And approaching sort of your relationships with, you know, your colleagues and the people that you work with, I mean, that is going to pay dividends in the long run, isn't it? And um, Mm. it goes to show as well that a lot of the businesses that have done well during the pandemic are those that really put real value on the people that work for them. And something that to me has been very, very obvious during and certainly in the aftermath of the pandemic as well is that we're becoming far, far more aware of our own mental and physical well-being and leaders and businesses have had to be very, very aware of that and make sure that they're, you know, safeguarding that of the people that work with them and work for them. And um, from your perspective, uh, Lisa, um, just how important is safeguarding well-being within the workplace? Not just, of course, in terms of looking after your colleagues, but also making sure that you look after your own as the leader as well. Yeah, it's difficult. We do we do sometimes neglect ourselves, and I think we we have to accept that 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 does happen and. Most most leaders, like I've alluded to before, we thrive on that that passion and mm. that being busy and everything. So we are a little bit a little bit more resilient. And I would always want to put my team first. I do, you know, when I talk to anybody, I always want to make sure the team are happy because if they're happy and they can look after things, then that makes 
it's easier and better better for our clients. So where where we've seen real successes with our clients um, and, and we've we've heard out there as well is when they are again it's that it always comes back to communication for me when they're out communicating with the staff. You know how are you feeling? And not being scared of having those conversations and and as a leader not you know okay to be vulnerable and say you know what guys. I'm not feeling it today. You know, I lost my dad in September and I went through a really hard time. I was really, really close to my dad. But I was really honest with my team about the fact that I wasn't coping very well with it. And they were there to help me. You know, another member of my team lost his dad um, a year ago. So he could resonate with me and, and understand and, and help me get through it. So it's okay to admit that you're feeling vulnerable as a leader. And that then allows your team to see that it's okay for them to feel vulnerable as well. Mm. So they're feeling down about something and they know that you've shown that you are human as well and that you get down and that you sometimes feel like you can't cope with everything, they are more likely to come forward and tell you that they need help as well. Um, so, yeah, it is. I think as a leader, it's very important to show that it's okay to come forward and say, look, I, I need some help. And you also need to be encouraging, encouraging those conversations and giving people an outlet to do that, whether it's via employee engagement service, whether it's via employee forums, whether it's just having a massive open door policy or whatever. And I think sometimes leaders get scared because what if somebody does come to them and say, do you know what, I'm feeling really down at the minute. And that leader might not know what to do about that. But all leaders need to do is, is, is provide that forum to open conversations. There's so much mm. help out there. And if anybody listening to this doesn't know where to turn to, give me a shout. We have got so many contacts and so many places that we can signpost different levels of stress and mental health and well-being to. Um, all we need leaders to do is encourage those conversations. That's exactly right, isn't it? I think you've got to show that authenticity as a leader, that vulnerability, and you do encourage others to uh, to come forward, don't you? You encourage that sort of open dialogue. And we see that, um, obviously, when it comes to, you know, the tough recruitment environment that we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing that employees are sort of very, very aware of which businesses kind of have that network in place and which don't, because um, mm. the sort of questions and the demands that, you know, the employee has on the employer they're starting to change aren't they we're a lot more conscious now of what are your well-being policies what is your sort of yeah. corporate responsibility policy and so mm. this, these are all things that leaders do have to be aware of it's sort of the changing face of uh, what the worker wants and the changing face of leadership absolutely yeah and i think as well you know gone are the days where you go for an interview and it's like oh i really want that job now we're in the other position of the, is the employer thinking, flipping heck, I really want this candidate and what mm. do I need to do to, to secure this person? It's a, it's a candidate's market out there and we are seeing so many people to, you know, it was only yesterday we were chatting to a potential client who wants to work with us, insisting that they need to be in the office and we were challenging that, you know, why? People don't want to be in the office all the time. Some people do, don't get me wrong, that's the environment they're thriving, but majority of people want the hybrid working or whatever and mm. if people are staying stuck in the ways we were saying you are probably going to struggle to get the personality fit that you want for the values that, that they want and you saying they need to be in the office nine to five and this that and the other it's not it's not going to fit where we've seen clients have that massively flexible approach and focus more on outputs and hours of work and who cares where people work from what what difference does it make if they can do a good job what does it matter 
And why do people need to work nine to five anymore? I get it. You know, there needs to be some core core hours work. So you've got to make sure you're available to service your clients. But come on, you know, the days of being chained to your desk nine to five are, are way gone. And unless employers um, get out of that mindset, then they're going to struggle. And it's going to get harder and harder for them. Mm, it certainly is and it seems to me certainly that the hybrid model is is here to stay because you kind of you balance the benefits um to the work-life balance of working from home obviously there's a degree of self-management that has to go into that um but also um you keep the office environment for when you want to go and use it and that allows that kind of the in-person interaction the in-person sharing of ideas and that obviously promotes those kind of water cooler moments as they call them over in the united states where um you know you drive innovation forward and you bounce ideas off each other i mean that's important as well but the blended approach i think is going to bring sort of the best of both worlds together yeah it is and it is massively important and again you know we've seen clients go completely remote they don't even have an office anymore but what they have done is make sure that they've got touch points so they'll have online lunches Mm. and they'll make sure they meet in person once a quarter because people get lonely and i think that's the thing we got used to working from home because we had to but now you know, where people went totally remote, they're now seeing that that's having a detrimental impact as well because instinctively we're pack animals. We, we are mm. social. We need that We need that um, human interaction with people. So, you know, even where people have gone fully remote, they're now saying, actually, that doesn't work either. We need this, definitely need this integrated approach and to get together and to have a laugh. Like you say, the water cooler moments, are massively, massively important. Exactly right. We are social creatures as human beings. And again, we've said the word already, the C word. It all boils down to uh, that communication, doesn't it? And, you know, we need to be together. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's hilarious. 17 years of doing HR and every single survey or focus group or forum or anything that we do, Communication will always come out in the top three things that need to improve. Always, always, always. Just, and, and the thing is as well, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach either. So for some people, good communication is, I want the MD stood up in front of me every month, giving me a briefing on the business. The person sat next to them, that's their worst-case scenario. They're like, I don't mm. care what he has to say. I want to speak to my line manager every week and know how well I'm doing. And for the person next to them, they don't want that at all. They want an email once a month that says, you're doing well, do you need any help? So it's, it's not only about communication, it's about establishing the right level of communication to, to different people and just remembering that it's not a one-size-fits-all, otherwise you're just going to waste your time. Mm, exactly right it's making the needs um it's, it's making it conducive to the needs of everybody isn't it and mm. making sure you know that communication is um sort of you know consistent throughout and everybody's needs are tailored to and uh interestingly as well lisa um as sort of you know a specialist in uh, hr as you are um just because a lot of our viewers tend to be of the kind of younger entrepreneurial mindset who might be considering starting a business of their own um, given your experience of not just, of course, the HR realm, but also starting your own business as well, mm-hmm. if you had to give them sort of one huge piece of advice to start on the road to success, what piece of advice would that be? I'm going to give two, if that's okay. Absolutely um, fine. Yeah. And they're both, um, they're both very hard to do, and I struggled with it when I first started. Number one, ask for help. 
you sit there thinking, oh my God, like I can't go and ask. Well, it's like, so I was like, there's no way I can go to another HR person and say to them, how did you set up? What did you charge? What did you do? Because they'll think, oh, here comes a competitor. She just wants to like steal all our business. There is enough work for everybody. So I know of three um, local HR companies that have set up. And when I heard about it, I offered to meet them. I offered to help them because I would never want them to feel like I did. And there is enough work for all of us. So do not be scared to ask for help. There are amazing people out there. It doesn't even have to be in the same industry. Just anybody else that's set up a business because there are things that you want to think thought about. So I don't know how to do marketing, sales, finance. I know how to do HR. You know, I don't know how to run a business. Mm. So there's little things that you won't think about. So ask for help would be my one piece of advice. My second piece of advice, do not undervalue yourself. So it's very easy when you first start to say yes to everything because you need to earn money. Uh, and I did that. I said yes to everything. I did work that I didn't want to do. I really undervalued myself. And it's very hard to then unpick that because you end up with clients that are paying you peanuts to do a lot of work that as you grow, you then don't want to do. So just be confident in what your offering is and say no to the stuff you don't want to do. So that would be my two pieces of advice. Sound advice indeed for anybody tuning in um, as well. And I think I think it's important um, that you do, you know, sort of value yourself and you don't um sort of be afraid of asking for uh, for help. And I think at times we can yeah. be a little bit averse to that here in the uh, the UK. But I think again, it's something that came up during the uh, the pandemic. I mean, I think we really um kind of realised again the value of uh, networking, didn't we? Even if we were doing it remotely, because yeah. businesses, competitors, yeah. they were all talking to each other, all recognising that they were in the same boat, and all helping each other and even obviously when it came right down to big pharma for instance they were trading intellectual property to try and obviously get a working vaccine together and that's something we've, we've never seen before yeah yeah i mean i was a massive face-to-face networker before the pandemic uh, and i really missed it i'm very social i love being in a room with people getting to know new people and that's something else to be fair i struggled with when i first set up the business and i do still now if it's a room full of strangers i'm a bit like oh gosh um, but yeah, when it went online, it, it was a bit of a lifeline for me um, because, I, it, like I said, I am I am social, and there's still now networking groups that are staying online because that suits people. And I think definitely for more introverted people as well, not having to walk in that room, um, it's easier to just sit on a square on Zoom or Teams or yeah. whatever isn't it, and and kind of meet people that way. So that's something else for new people you know don't if you're setting up your own business don't be scared to get out there i've Mm. some of my best friends now are people that i've met out networking um because they're in the same boat as you they get it they do exactly right and uh, fortunately you know we're in a position now where you know we have the remote networking and we have the in-person networking back because you know we're out of that acute phase of covid but you know we're still very much in a very volatile period with you know the cost of living inflation what's going on in eastern europe of course and sort of several supply chain shocks as well. So um, just before we kind of wrap up, uh, Lisa, um, in this kind of uncertain environment, now that COVID is behind us, what are sort of your ambitions for yourself and your business over the uh, the next 12 months? And where do you see yourselves being by this time in 2023, do you feel? So I've always... Um never I've never been a massive one to be like oh yeah this is where I want to be in five years like I said I, this business happened by accident you know I never meant uh, for this to happen I was going to go and mm. get another job so I've always yeah we set a budget for the year because obviously we've got 
salaries to pay and bills to pay and everything. But we've never had this like huge trajectory of growth. I always said, you know, if we grow by one person a year, that's great. Something that we have done more over the last couple of years, we've invested all our profit in building our own software. So we now have our own HR software. It's mm. called HRX People. Um, we're coming in as a little bit of a market disruptor, we feel, because we're so cheap. It's a pound ahead a month. So we're going to spend some time focusing on that. Um, again, that enhances our offering to our clients because, you know, they can put everything online, electronically. We're embracing tech for, for the SME sector, which is something that they tend to struggle with. So I would hope that, you know, this time next year, the software side of the business is thriving and that Cube just continues to go on its little growth. Well, I say little growth journey. We grew by 120% last year and we're on target to grow by 111% this year. So, um, you know, if we if we hit 100% growth next year, I, I, I would say we're, we're doing phenomenally well. So more of the same, Scott, is the answer, but with the added uh, addition of the uh, of the software offering. Yeah, it seems like there's plenty in the pipeline, plenty of exciting developments, uh, which are culminating yeah. in measured growth, of course. And that's something that's incredibly important, making sure that, you know, mm-hmm. you grow at a rate that's um, conducive to your business and you're not going to kind of like lose those core values, of course. And um, I think, it, you know, as we start to see how that kind of growth trajectory is going, Lisa, I mean, I'd, I'd love the opportunity to welcome you back on and sort of catch up as to how things are all uh, coming along for you. Oh, please do. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. You know, it's nice to to reflect uh, on on our journey it's been it's been tough it's been bumpy but we've done very well from it and um, yeah if, I, if i've helped one person who's gonna set up or who's doing it themselves then that's a, a job well done for me so I, i'd love to come back and talk to you again scott mm, yeah absolutely and uh, for anybody tuning in who is interested in finding out more about uh, lisa and about her business and her offering um, i think a qphr.co.uk would be the best port of call wouldn't it lisa Yes, it is. Yes, yes, please. Yep, fantastic. Um, Once again, Lisa, thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us on uh, today's show. And it's been an immense pleasure having you. And uh, by all means, do take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. It was indeed fantastic welcoming Lisa Sauerbutt uh, from QPHR onto today's programme. And I do hope that everyone tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. And uh, just for the viewers, um, if you are the head of an organisation or a business owner yourself and you feel that you have your own story to come and share with us, then we at the Leaders' Council, of course, want to hear from you too. So you too can apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and share that story with us. For now, I've been your host, Scott Chaloner, on the Leaders' Council podcast with my guest, Lisa Sauerbutt. Please take care and goodbye.